at a time in our lives where destruction and devastation seem closer to us and more in our minds than ever before, it's the strength of the human spirit that I'm in awe of. This week, I wanted to share a very special woman, refugee and entrepreneur with you, Henrietta Morrison, founder of Lily's Kitchen. The journey she shares isn't an easy one to hear, but what defines this conversation is not the terrible loss she suffered, but the spirit and drive to redefine her future on her terms and the determination to make her own mark on the world. I hope Henrietta's mindset and approach to life stays with you as long as it stayed with me. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown Welcome to Lightbulb Moments, where each week I revisit one of my past podcasts to uncover something that really stayed with me after speaking to the UK's leading brands and founders. Lessons and insights that have truly impacted not only on my own journey, but that I'm positive will light up your imaginations. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Dell Technologies, who believe in shining a light on these life-changing moments. It really is an honour to share their inspiration with you, and I hope their story impacts your own thinking as deeply as they have mine. I did have quite a checkered childhood, so I was born in Beirut, and uh, I have a younger brother, and we were evacuated during the war. We moved to the UK because my mother was British and my father was Lebanese, and um, soon after we moved over, um, unfortunately my mother uh, was in a car crash, um, and I was 11, and she, uh, she, she died instantly. Um, and the following year, my father died um, of brain cancer, so... It was really, it was a childhood in two, uh, in really two stages. Um, one that was uh, all f- happy and fabulous and sort of apple in my parents' eye and, and, and the other half really marred by a lot of very tragic events in a, in a short period of time. Gosh, that is actually just quite unbelievable that you went through so much um, at such a young age. You were 12 when your father passed away. Yes. Um, How did that shape your life, losing these two people who adored you so close together and at such a young age? Well, it's you know I I always say I wouldn't be the person I am now if, if if that hadn't happened because you know it was such a double shock and plus you know being a refugee leaving you know leaving you know the country I was born in behind and and, and being in a new country I had a choice really I had I was a sink or swim situation I think you know for the first sort of eighteen months after my dad died I was really quite a lost lost person um, and I just remember feeling. You know, this sort of weird mixture of obviously devastated, but also angry and kind of ashamed in some way. I sort of, you know, at school, everybody would stop me, you know, as I was going about my day. Are you you okay? You can always talk to me if you want to. And there was no bereavement counselling or anything like that in those days. And actually people asking you, you know, you can always talk to me wasn't helpful because I could just never kind of get on with my with my with my time and my day at school and felt you know I just felt like I was an odd person who you know everybody prayed for me in in assembly for example which is lovely but you know I just wanted to kind of hide away and not and not stand out 
And did it? Was it your grandparents that looked after you, or who? So, um, how did you move forward? Um, so we were adopted by my mother's brother, um, my uncle, and his wife, uh, and they had a, uh, two children too. So you know, we ended up being a, a family of, of four children. But it's there's the Oscar Wilde thing where you know, losing one parent is tragic, losing two is careless, and that's not me making light of it. But it was such an awful thing to happen that I really, you know, I. I at some point in my teenage years, I just had to stop being the victim about it and go, look, I have to be a survivor. I am a survivor. Anything's possible. Nothing terrible like this is ever going to happen to me again. And that actually, that really gave me blank canvas in life because I just, you know, I could just go for it. You know, I applied to Cambridge thinking, of course, they're never going to take me in, but I had nothing to lose. And I'm a businesswoman because of being able to sort of go, right, let's have a go, let's see what happens, and not being worried about the Because you almost dealt with what is the worst that could ever happen. Exactly. It happened to you. You were obviously highly intelligent, driven, and had a passion for wanting to help people. You went to Talbot Heath All-Girls School mm-hmm. and then went on to study at Cambridge University. What was that time like studying? And did you think that you were... Did you have that entrepreneurial spirit then? So this sort of, you know, what is the worst that can happen... That was brewing in you, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, I love challenging the status quo as well. That's very much part of my DNA. And so I organised various stalls and things at school and sold bits and pieces, homemade cakes and stuff like that. But uh, when I went to college, um, I actually set up a few businesses to keep me going. I did everything from print T-shirts to make teddy bears. I used to go to Laura Ashley and buy literally hundreds of metres of upholstery fabric and make cravats and waistcoats and sell them to the local shops. Kind, the kind of thing that would just sort of just give me some money to <laughs> to keep me going in my student days. So yeah, so it was, it was, it was literally brewing. So you, you had a teddy bear company. Mm. You also went into publishing, is that right? Yes. So um, when I graduated, I went into publishing and um, I have a, an aunt who has Down syndrome and she's just amazing. She's, she's 67 now. But, you know, at the time she was working in a makeup company and she, she then stopped working and, and it just really made me realise that actually people with disabilities just don't have the opportunities that um, that, that that were possible. And I and it really spurred me on to set up a magazine for disabled students and graduates, um, which I did. That was the first magazine that that that, that I launched. And it was a you know lovely, glossy, colourful magazine. And you know the disabilities officers at universities were saying, "This is amazing." You know, usually it's a photocopied piece of paper with some really sort of you know crappy jobs on it. But these are these are graduate jobs. I'm like, well, yes, of course. If you have a disability, you can get yourself through university. Then you know you can do you any can do job, anything. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, yeah. So and then and then so I set up other magazines, all for students and school leavers and graduates. I mean. I can't even, I'm so excited about this interview. You are, (laughs) yeah, you're the embodiment of just that, that entrepreneurial spirit, that thing that just some people just have. They just didn't probably think much of it that you were making all these businesses or what you were doing. But when you now look back, you know, it's a bit special. I remember coming out of Henrietta's office, being shown around her most magnificent, spectacular, on-brand Lily's Kitchen. Meeting rooms named after pets, reception with a bowl of dog treats and all the dogs, some in their beds on the desk next to their humans and some wandering around trying to play with the new guests. It was just a real moment in time and I don't think I've been to any office like it since. 
But it was only in the lift I could realise the build-up of emotion I'd felt during the interview. Here I was, in front of one of the most inspiring leaders I'd ever come across, someone I could pin up on my wall, a poster child of sorts, because I'd not seen strength like hers before in my whole career, and I just had a two-hour dose of it. It goes to show you how few female business leaders there are of this magnitude. But it wasn't just the strength as a businesswoman that had slightly blinded me. I'd also never heard such tragedy firsthand. And of course, as I re-listen, my mind is instantly transported to the children of Ukraine. Families finding themselves as now refugees, never once believing that they'd have this status in a new land, new home, with what feels like a rudderless future but also so many having lost loved ones on top of everything else. It's unbearable to think. How can us humans behave like this in this modern age with so much history? Not learning from the time that little Henrietta was evacuated from Beirut. Is there comfort? It's hard to see it right now as I record this episode, but re-listening to this podcast gives me hope. Not only in the good leaders, to which there are many, to start with, all the people I have interviewed, but also world leaders such as the magnificent Zelensky, people who embody what the human spirit means, the need to survive no matter what. There are moments where we can give up, legitimately to be honest, shy away into the shadows of our experiences and take comfort in a label given to us such as victim, or if we can, on that day of strength, muster up the courage to believe in ourselves, the reason we were born, the fact the sun will always rise and will always fall, no matter what's going on in our lives or in the world. Could that be the symbol of hope we should hold on to, the clock we should time our zest for life on? Because being a survivor doesn't erase the hurt or trauma, but it does rewrite the story. And there's only one person who's the author, you. That's exactly what Henrietta did. She took charge and changed not only her passport, but her perspective on how she was going to continue. Once you've been through trauma, life's events that you know have reshaped everything, asking yourself, what's the worst that can happen takes on a whole other meaning. This wonderful, strong woman couldn't lose both her parents again. The worst had happened. Maybe for us listening, we've been lucky enough not to have such terrible experiences. But it still stands. Making friends with the demon, the shame, the embarrassment, I don't know, the humiliation, whatever it is, possibly is the greatest way to move forward with confidence. I don't feel it's appropriate necessarily to talk about any of my life events in between Henrietta's story and the tragedy unfolding thanks to war. But I did live in a victim mindset after my own lows. And it was one of the most unuseful times of my life when it came to building Holly. And the mantra of looking at the worst that can happen and making friends with it has definitely propelled me as one of my strongest business tools. 
Today, I'll be sharing on stories on my Instagram, at Holly Tucker, all the ways we can help our fellow humans in Ukraine, from taking families into our homes, helping provide employment, or giving needed funds to aid those who are living the nightmare. But hopefully, those funds will soon be rebuilding the beauty that was once Ukraine. I pray they'll be able to reflect in years to come, as this business leader did here knowing that she wouldn't have been the person she is today if this all hadn't happened to her. A big thank you to Dell Technologies who brought us this episode today. If you'd like to listen to the full episode or any of the past founders, search Conversations of Inspiration wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening, if it's helped or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support really does mean the world to me. It helps spread the word and will inspire more people to build a life they love. Mm -hmm.